Welcome back to Yanks Abroad. Today, Will and I are extremely excited because this is actually the first time that we're going to get to react to a weekend, or in this case, a week of Premier League action. So let's get right into it. A good midweek amount of matches. Yeah. So everyone played. Everyone played. Let's let's start it. Let's start with Arsenal. Arsenal. Arsenal Forest. I mean, we watched a little bit of this game together. Yes. Absolute domination on the ball by Arsenal. 73% possession. The field tilt, as you love to talk about, was off the charts. The finishing in the first half was awful. And I actually want to talk about what I think is the wrong narrative that's being talked about with the finishing when it's the shooting. That first half, Arsenal got into so many ridiculously good situations where they just kept trying to play tidy football. And I feel like this is like hangover from the Arsene Wenger days where it was so many shifty players who were not playing necessarily out of position, but a bunch of tidy players playing as your front three. And at times, Odegaard was the biggest, him and Jesus were the biggest of, at fault for this, but they're in the box with an open space to shoot, and instead they identify what they think is a better pass. And I'm all for that at times, but when you're playing Nottingham and you're dominating the game, we had a 10-minute section where we had 95% You're going to get another opportunity to make that extra pass. Right, like shoot the fucking ball. <laughs> yeah. Get the ball on net. Try and challenge a horrific goalkeeper in Matt Turner. And when they finally did do that... Gabriel Jesus scored from a tight yeah. angle off of Turner's leg because so, that's he was in a good position and he shot the ball. Yeah. So shots on net is always is always gonna always make it, good. So we were obviously watching together and it was it was a lot of fun watching you get frustrated with what I think is the biggest problem with the front three and I think that may and the lack of shooting and I think that may be a lack of confidence is it's it's not the easy way out but it's like if I don't if I'm outside the box and I don't really think I can bend this into the top corner right now like like try and be a little more intricate so we can get a tap in type of situation I think that's fair I mean I think it's like it's lack of confidence but I think it's more so okay we're having trouble scoring goals so the answer is we need to pass the ball into the net right. like the answer needs to be Odegaard's got the ball at the penalty spot. He's going to play it here, and then they're going to play it back across the goal, and there's going to be no one in the net, so that's an automatic goal. Yeah. Versus, I'm on the penalty spot. I'm going to shoot the ball, yeah. and maybe it'll go in. And and sometimes you shoot the ball, you get a deflection, it either goes in or it bounces to your number nine who's just standing right. there and or taps it in. Arsenal get a corner kick, and we're the best in the world yeah. at scoring off corner so kicks. So my question for you is, we unfortunately didn't get to watch the second half together. If... Matt Turner isn't one of the worst goalkeepers in the Premier League right now, which is an absolute nightmare for the U.S. men's national team. And we'll get to that. But if he's not a nightmare and that goal doesn't – that was in the 63rd minute? Something like that. Yeah. Are you concerned that it may – like, did it open it up a little that you that allowed you or you th you inevitably thought the goal was – is there the a goal, little bit of you that thought if that doesn't go in, we may have not gotten one? Never was worried about okay. the match, honestly. It was – we weren't just controlling the ball. Like, the ball was in their box the entirety of the match. Like, yeah. I have some crazy stats here for you. My, my only thing is we talked about, and I want to get to those stats, but we talked about when Enwionyi, or I can never pronounce his name. That's about right. <laughs> when he... Everyone's going to roast us anyway. So. Yeah, when he came on, we were like, he's always going to score against us. And my thought, which he eventually yeah, he did. did. Three um, in a row, three games in a row. My thought is like, maybe that goal comes before your eventual breakthrough and it doesn't like this is a lot of ifs but this is my concern with the arsenal team and the domination and then the lack of clinicality even if that's a word in front of goal and being able to be up to nothing going into to yeah. halftime like there's question marks for me about if that goal doesn't go in and we could see those similar things happen do you 
then draw these matches or lose these matches because someone grabs a late one? Uh, I mean, I think as we saw almost happen with Tottenham, like that's kind of always a possibility in the sport and that's what makes it kind of so fun to watch. Yeah. Like there is this aspect to it that there isn't an inevitability if you're the better team of winning. Anyone right. can win a 90-minute match. That's why the prime's the best. Because the ball can bounce in any which way and it ends up going in the goal sometimes. And I think it's the league... That has the most amount of class littered throughout. Right, every like an Awanoe, like is an incredibly Would be talented a striker. Goal striker. Right, like if yeah. he's playing for Leverkusen, does he have more goals than Boniface this year? Maybe. Um, all right, here's some of the stats of why I'm not worried. Okay, Arsenal had three players who had double-digit amount of touches in the in Nottingham the box, Forest yeah. box. What do you think was the amount of touches that the player on Nottingham, the most amount of touches any singular player on Nottingham had in the box against Arsenal? Three. Three. And it was Aaron Noe Sharp. who came in in the 70th minute or yeah. whatever. Ben White had six touches in the, in the box. But this is... Hold on. Hold on. We're beating a dead horse. Guess who had the most passes into the final third of any player on the pitch? Entrances into the final third via the pass. I'm going to say Gabrielle. You're fucking sharp. Actually? Gabrielle. Here's the order for Arsenal. Gabrielle, Zinni, Rice, White, Saliba. No, Our no. defense is playing in, in their, their third. I'm, I'm with like, you. we are going to inevitably... Sc- I said there's not inevitable, but, like, the stats and the math and the way data analytics work, and this is... It's no different than Dan Campbell going forward on fourth down with the Lions. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but the numbers are on so, your side, and I'd like to play when the numbers are on my yes, side. Yes, I, I completely agree with that, and I want to actually talk about it because... The whole XG thing. I'm a big believer in XG. I just want to clarify exactly how it works. So, Saka, the finish on his right foot, is such a good finish. Yeah. And he has a better weak foot than most, if you put a lefty at right winger, would have in that position. So, my question is, does XG take into account who the player is? No. What foot it's on? No. That's my thing when we talk about XG with Arsenal. It actually depends. There's different... XG is actually not uniform across the board. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. It's it's fairly similar. Yeah. But once in a while, you'll get a match, and if you look at a different sources, it could be as much as one. Off. Okay. See, this is my problem with XG, is it doesn't truly take into all the factors. It takes into an AI, average Joe, in this position with these, this setup. Well, that's the whole point of it. It's expected goals. It's the average. I understand. The, if I you understand. took 100 shots in there, what how I'm many sa- times are scoring a goal? What I'm saying is, though... There's a reason that certain teams outperform their XG. And because they have great got, finishers. That's my point, is that just because your XG is there to average Joe, if they took into account who your attackers were, I think the XG would well, drop. But your argument, That's what I'm saying. Your argument works, but it also works against itself. Because if you're, let's say you get one shot with Harry Kane from the place Saka scored from in your made-up world, that probably has an XG of 0.45, let's say. Okay, Saka's sure. XG from that position was, like, what the actual statistic and the way they counted it was probably 0.18, 0.2. Okay. So if you get four shots from that position, that's 0.8 XG. Let's say you score one out of four of those. That's basically the odds of it. Versus Harry Kane's going to score one out of two. So right. it's like, if we're getting four shots in that position, we should score the same amount of goals as a team who has a better finisher. Okay, but that's if a you really, have a Harry Kane that's who's a, a really level good. Raiser, that's a that's a that's a prime opportunity. I think the XG on that should be if it's a righty, 
and Saka luckily has a very good weak foot. But if that's a righty, I think that should be finished one out of every two times. I think you overestimate how good players are. No, I'm I'm talking about XG to where you think Arsenal is going to be carried by that to people that they're competing with. Like if that falls to Julian Alvarez at left wing, I think he finishes that one at right wing. He finishes that one finish at it, a, So what's the point? The point is, let's flip it to the left wing, and it's Gabriel Martinelli. Who has a great left foot, yeah. I'm not, I'm not even talking about weak foot, strong foot at this point. Just if he happened to be in a certain position and the XG was this for average Joe, like Martinelli, Martinelli and Reale only scores it one out of every four times. He was our best overperformer of XG last year. So to that's even if you have Son, that he scores it every one okay, of two but, times. Well, Son is one of the greatest finishers above know, average in the history what of the sport. I'm saying that why XG, I'm a believer in it because over an extremely long period of time. Right. over the course of a 38-match season. I just, I just think Arsenal plays into it. Their XG does not factor that they don't but have he, lethal attacks. Here's the thing. You've now set up a system where you're creating more expected goals and preventing more expected goals than anybody in the league. So could so you imagine how many goals you guys would score if you had good attackers? Well, that's exactly the answer. You plug in one more striker. All right, here you go. I got, I got something for you. I thought, you, I thought that, we would get and here. And then we have to move on. I got something for you. Who would you rather have as your striker? Okay. Player A has eight goals, okay. five See, assists. How many? You are the king of stats. Don't tell the whole story. I'm just asking you a question. Well, any blind resume is going to fit your narrative, but let's continue. Which player would you rather have? Which player would you rather have? Player A, eight goals, five assists, a goal contribution every 111 minutes. Player B, eight goals, three assists, 119 minutes for every goal contribution. Who would you rather have? Okay. Can I guess who the players are? Yeah, please. I actually don't know. Is this all comps or prem? This is all comps. Right. So it's and obviously padded stats from a cupcake Champions League group because player A is 100% an Arsenal player. Do you know who it is? Is it Martinelli? No. Is it Jesus? It is. Yeah, Jesus was Who's crushing it in B? the Champions League. Who's player B? Uh, you're going to say player B, eight goals, three assists in all comps. I don't know. Who is it? Victor Osiman. Okay. Okay, he's also been getting racially abused all season. <laughs> You're going to blame his fewer goal contributions and fewer goal no, contributions that, per I, minute that's, on... That's very interesting, and I'm not... I dis- just think, and I'm not discounting that, but... I think narratives really go a long way in Oseman is... Napoli is not the same Napoli side as they were last season. I agree, and I would much rather have Osimhen right, as striker. But I'm you're saying, saying it's not like that big of a... Yeah. Critical finisher, finisher, blah, blah. Like How many of those goals and assists are in the Champions League? For Jesus, Jesus do you know? Uh, he's got four and three in the Premier League. That's seven, so there's that leaves four and two left in the Champions League. It's pretty split. It's pretty even split. The games aren't close to evenly split, though. <laughs> well, he, That's did miss, like, he did miss like 10. No, you guys were league. absolutely firing in the Champions League. I won't. By I won't, the way, I I'll take Gabriel Jesus sucking in the Premier League if he carries us to a Champions League title. So, like. Okay, well, I mean, if those stats actually would if he kept that up. Um, he's but, a, his Champions League numbers, actually, at City as well, would shock you. Yeah. Incredible. Maybe he's a All big right, time let's player. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. So, let's go to Chelsea Liverpool, which was, in theory, the big one of the entire. Of the entire midweek. Um, Liverpool won 4 1. Yep. And it was an extremely impressive display for a multitude of reasons. One of them being, or one slash three of them being 
no Trent, no Robertson, no Salah, and they still score four goals and only allow one. But my question to you, we talk a lot about vibes. By the way, did I tell you that that was going to happen or what? Did you? They were going to fill up the goals when Salah was gone? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. You did. Okay. For, well, Nunez is fucking awesome. That's one point I wanted to get to. Darwin Nunez, for not scoring, had one of the most impressive, I guess, did miss you, reels that you, I've ever seen. Did you it, see that stat? No. Since they've been tracking balls hit off of the crossbar or post since 2003, he had four in a match. Nobody in the history of the sport has ever had that. That's insane. Yeah. It was the what, as a Liverpool fan, as, and this ties into what I want to pose to you, as a Liverpool fan, it would be one of the most inspiring things to me to they obviously didn't come off and into goals and missing a penalty is not acceptable in any situation but with Rashford's struggles that we've talked about and he has been indecisive of late and like he takes a couple extra touches Darwin Nunez every time he got into a situation knew exactly what he was going to do split second they were first time first time strikes his positioning in the box, everywhere he knew where he wanted to be and he knew exactly where and when he wanted to shoot it. And that decisiveness for a number nine is one of the most key things ever. And I think process over results, maybe, in in his case, if he continues to play like this, the goals, I mean, they kind of have been, but the goals are going to be start He's flying incredible. for Nunez. It's going to be... It's, it's, he is really one of the more fun players to watch in the world right so now. So the question I wanted to pose you, we pose to you, we talk about vibes a lot. Klopp retiring, I mean, that atmosphere was absolutely insane. I mean, it's going there the rest of the season is going to That's be what I'm saying. horrific. Do you, so it kind of reminds me of when Ray Lewis announced his retirement and the Ravens had a dream run to the Super Bowl because of that. Do you think, do your chances of Liverpool winning the title change off of him announcing his retirement? Yeah, because VAR is just handing them penalties and not giving them to Chelsea. But on top of that, yes, I think going there, I saw another fucking hysterical tweet that was like, you could put out a bunch of middle schoolers at home if you're Liverpool the rest of the season. They, they, won't, they won't drop a point the rest of the season at home. Probably true. Like, and they'll probably walk through to the Europa League final. Oh, yeah. 100%. I just think it's, it's, it's insane. That I mean, that, that, I would have that's said, an atmosphere I'm dying to go see. And yeah. I, I hope that, like... Once this gets up and running, maybe you and I can get across. Yeah. I that is the one that and Old Trafford are the two. I've been to a lot of stadiums at, uh, in in England. Those are the two I have not been to that I need to be to as soon as possible. Up until he announced his retirement, I would have said City are my favorites to win the title. I've completely flipped. I think Liverpool are the favorites to win the title with Salah coming back. And I was a big hater of McAllister. I didn't He's think he was the well. right signing, especially at the number six position. He's playing really well. Zobosly is playing really well. Gravenberch has had a couple of good matches after a kind of a rocky yeah. start. He looks a little bit more composed. It looks like they have a white Trent at, at right back. The, the, finish, the finish was outstanding. Like His first touch was great, but his second touch took him wide, and he hit it with the pace and placement that was probably the only way that that goes in. And then the cross to Zobosly for his headed goal was perfectly he is the prime example of if you pick the right loan spot for a youth player that they can where did he go he went to bolton last year and played 41 matches oh wow 41 matches in the league that's insane he played a full league season everyone's like where'd this kid come from like he's i think he has 18 full international caps he's played 41 times in the championship last year he's ready to play that is how you do the key academy you find the right loan Luckily, he's not English. He's, I think he's Irish. I don't know, honestly. Uh, Whatever he is, Scottish or Irish, 
played his 18 international caps. He's ready to play. He's ready to fill in. He's been training. Liverpool is similar to Arsenal in which the way that they set up their youth system is the they mimic the tactics. So the under-21s are learning their positions mm-hmm. correctly so they can come in, and he's done brilliantly yeah. for, for the clock. I mean, yeah. quite a clock. He's an excellent man. No, the fact that they were able to score four goals without Salah is... From that combined with the the Klopp retirement, they're my title favorites now. Are you? How do you feel? Uh, uh, let's talk after okay. the Arsenal game this weekend. If they beat us or get any points at the Emirates this weekend, I would say they're probably my title favorites. Okay. If we win, they only gonna have a two point gap on us and City. So that I would say that changes the narrative a little bit. Okay. I, I agree. At home, they're probably not gonna drop a whole lot of points. Um, but I mean, City. I mean, De Bruyne is ridiculous. Okay. So, last thing, you touched on the penalty. I, what did you think? The Gallagher one? Yes. Penalty. Clear penalty, right? Clear penalty. So, this is my problem a little bit with VAR, and I know VAR gets so much hate. Well, (laughs) this is just a piece. I actually don't mind VAR as much as the next person. The concept is brilliant. But the use of it has not. The execution Well, it's a little harder said, but anyways, I think this particular thing is a little bit of a let-off for the referees. Like, yes. that is a close one where I think if there's no VAR, he probably gives it. Yes. And this, it's like... No clear and obvious It's error. not... Like, I'm just going to let VAR tell me if this was a pen because I don't know 100%. And then the letter of the law is... It may not have been clear and obvious, but, like... I mean, it if was you can make, clear and obvious. If you can make... If you can, like, make it into a percentage thing, like, that's a penalty 85 90% of the time but since it's not 100 it's not clear and obvious so but the fact that it's an 85% pen I'm making up some fake percentages but yeah yeah no no the Your fact point that is it's good the fact that it's an 85% pen and not 100 like that should still be a penalty that was a clear penalty the other issue is and the fucking VAR guys have come out and said this they are protecting the refs at a certain yeah. point they don't want them to get a call wrong, and then every call is being judged as if it's wrong because they've overturned right. one call. And so I think but that's also one to me where if it's the 58th minute and they're not setting the tone for the game on a penalty, you maybe see it overturned. I think there is mm. too much opinionated judgment coming into the... No, I think they just are starting to really go with the... I think they want to put... I think what it is is VAR was meant to take a ton of pressure off of the it's refs. It's more on them. And now it's... The VAR got put, the pressure got put on VAR, and then VAR's come under all this pressure. So they're trying to put it back on the refs by really only changing it if it's clear and obvious. Like the Burnley penalty, I thought that was a clear penalty. He throws his his ass into him, and once again, that's probably an 85% penalty, and it's not called. And then you go to the Tottenham match against Man City, where that one I think is more 50 50. And not clear and obvious, but I think once again, if there's no VAR, on the, the on-field decision is that that was goalie interference. I think also a lot of the pressure may be taken off if we can remove some of the things that it, VAR is being asked to do. Like, once we get the automatic offsides implicated in, implanted in, that they have in Champions League, like... How... Don't even get me started. But that's one where it's like, once we don't even go into, like, the VAR people, like, they're just getting a buzzer. Like, then we're not having... Like, every time there's all these long delays, they're drawing the lines. Like, this is building up this suspension that's putting more pressure on VAR. It's putting more pressure on the refs. It makes it harder to have the right judgment in the moment. And so once we have that, I don't know if you saw, they're going to implement a way for the people in the stadium to hear 
and the fans to really? hear the VAR conversation that while it's seems. happening. Well, if you've heard some of the things that have come oh out when they've got God. it wrong, they're like, they're just not even communicating. Well, the Tottenham correctly. and the Liverpool one is the worst thing I it's think It's the same thing that see. happened uh, in, in Arsenal match this year and last year. Last year, they didn't draw the lines in the Brentford match, they just <laughs> forgot. They just drew them on the wrong action. It's just, I just think like, once we get rid of a couple of things and like, uh, it, it has to get better. I mean, I think we're too young to remember. There's nothing they're waiting for. And it's, and, and this it's team, fully implemented this in league, the Champions League. This league brings in the most revenue it's by outrageous. far. I don't understand what they're waiting for. I do think though, like if you look at like when the NBA brought in official, like official reviews, yeah. it, it took them a little while to get it right. Yeah. I don't remember when the NFL did it. We were too young, but I'm going but, to assume it took them a little while I to get it right. But the, I feel like they're getting it wrong in such like a, well, think about when the NFL way. did pass interference. That yeah, was a disaster. But, yeah. Because it had to be clear and obvious. True. I think, yeah, I think there's something in the language that needs to be tweaked a little. Yeah. Um, but yeah, long story short is Liverpool one four one and Chelsea can't defend for shit. Yeah. I, well, yeah, they have, I, I mean, that first goal, they had two defenders in front of Jota and Jota legitimately well, walked. He got really them. lucky. He got really lucky. It okay, hit off his, no, you got to do better, but he got really The ball lucky. shouldn't be bouncing up past you. It should, no, you should be keeping the, one the, of you takes the man and one of you plays behind. And I don't know if this it's not is that complicated. Yeah. I don't know if this is a potch thing or what, but like the goals that they, first off, I don't think. Like, why was DeSassi playing right back over Malagusto? And overlapping, like, it was disaster. Like, with the way Chelsea and Poch play, you need true And then Gusto came on. I mean, it didn't make and a huge it, And he should have had an assist to yeah. the Modric. And, like... <laughs> Modric missed that so fucking bad. Yeah, it wasn't even he's, close. He, he's one of those footballers where it's like, so, once, once of every ten times, it's like pretty great. Yeah. But the but rest yeah. is... Mike Maron. The only takeaway, and if you follow my personal channel, I had Nkuku as my best transfer of the summer. He scored again with some really tight feet. Yeah, he looked good. He is so fucking good. I mean, good. it's going to be the injuries for him. I know. If he, I just, I pray he gets a season of health. I mean. He hasn't in two years. I know, it's hope. sad. Because, like, if Reese James gets a season of health and Cuckoo gets a season that of seems health. Impossible. They bring in Osimen all of a sudden, or however the fuck you say it. Yeah, someone uh, tell us, how do you say Osimen? It's not Osimen? Yeah, I thought I it was Osimen. We've been getting a lot of shit for how we say Osimen. But anyways, all right. On to, on to unless Newcastle, you have any other thoughts. No, no, Newcastle okay. Villa. Honestly, mostly, most I have to talk about this game is, is Villa. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot to cover in this yeah. specific game. I think Newcastle were just the better side. Yeah. So uh, can I pose you a question? Because you'll have more info on this. Okay, I was going to pose you a question, but hit me. I think we may have similar questions, but I, if it's not, I wanted to pose it to you if we have the same one. What is going on with Emery and the Villa system that was working so well and is now falling off as a person who knows more about Emery yeah, than I do? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't watch every Villa match. I'm not right. going to say that I do, but from, from what I do watch, and I did watch this match, his system is it's very odd. Uh, it's a lot of the... Third defender filing in, filling in as an extra um, center back. It's a lot of a single striker and kind of a winger type who is not playing as a touchline winger, who is playing as a transition player. So right. a lot of it depends on that combination working especially well together. And so during Emery's time at Arsenal, we had a year where Lacazette and Aubameyang were playing off of each other brilliantly. Right. I mean... Barcelona came in and tried to get Lacazette for $40 million the next yeah. summer. Aubameyang won the Golden Boot. Like, they were incredible in the Europa League. Yeah. And it was all... Lacazette was winning a lot of aerial duels, knockdowns to Aubameyang. Aubameyang was kind of the perfect player who was not a touchline winger, but had the pace and the ability to yeah. play in those wider channels. And the two of them worked off each other brilliantly. And then you have usually one overlapping wingback 
which is what Villa has usually playing at right back or left back, depending with Moreno in and not Dinier. They've had the right back overlapping when Dinier plays. It's usually the opposite. Um, and then the midfielders, they kind of, what the way he sets it up is he has three midfielders who are excellent dual winners. Yeah. Who are really more defensive minded and trying to play them in more creative zones. And so when those midfielders creative actions who aren't coming off and your striker, second striker pairing isn't working especially well, which was what happened in the first half of this match. He had Diaby playing with Watkins. Yeah. It kind of like the play never, it never evolves. Okay. Like they, they have a hard time controlling the ball. They have a hard time creating chances in good zones. Leon Bailey came on in the second half and that problem went away immediately. Bailey and Watkins, that has been the duo that has worked for them incredibly but well this weekend. I this think, year, I'm sorry. Yeah, Diab, but also Diaby has been like, he's a also good player. so good. But here's, That's what's confusing Diaby's me. Diaby's a touchline like winger, get, though. He's not this player. He's yeah, a I feel like they winger. get like 45 minutes per. Like, do, well, I feel like they don't fresh, play, like, each other, play with each other that much. No, they don't. And I think... It, this isn't how Emery usually sets up, but if Emery were to set up with Watkins through the middle alone and with and them, them on, on the, the wings, wings yeah. and then instead of having the overlapping right back and playing a more traditional flat back four, which we rarely see in successful sides at this point, potentially that's an option. But he also doesn't like to play a flat three midfield. I, yeah. I think this so is... So what happened... In this match? Yeah. They could not do anything in the first half. Their set yeah. piece defending was horrible. Char scored two yeah, off set pieces. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they just couldn't control... And then the second half... Bailey, Watkins was winning first balls, which he did in the first half excellently. Bailey was picking up second balls and driving forward, right. and then that's how they scored their goal. That's yeah. how Watkins had a bunch of good opportunities, receiving the ball in the channel, in between the defenders. He plays off the shoulder really well. Uh, I, I think that's the issue, and it's hard for Emery to find consistency with this system uh, because both it relies on two players both firing really well right. and combining really well consistently, and I think it's hard to do that match in and match out, whereas in a system that's based off of more of a possession base, maybe you don't get as many clear-cut chances as an Emory side will create because of the transition element right. of it, but you do get that consistency of controlling the, the game. And, and, and Emory has never been a game controller. He has always been a, we're going to come in and try and play the way that will, def will, will per per perfectly complement the team we're playing against versus playing our own identity. And that's why I don't think... Which is such an interest... Which I think is an interesting style that kind of no other managers take. They wanna, it's very rare. They want to implement their style. It used to be super popular. But that, I think that can work, and it's obviously shown that it can work. Yes. But yeah. It's actually, what it's really good for, and why Emery's won so many Europa Leagues, it's really good for tournament style. Right, right. You get a team you're playing in a two-leg system, you know how to and beat, you know how yeah. to go against them twice, yeah. you can kind of right. do that. Um, but, and I don't know, that's why, well, my question to you is going to be, yeah. Well, what is the rest of the season look like for Aston Villa? Where yeah, that is, <sighs> it's basically top four or bust. So, but there's it, also no, the fifth place. I, I don't think it's league. top four or bust, and I don't think it's. I think, I mean, I don't know any Villa fans, but I think when they were in the position that they were, I think they knew that this probably wasn't where it was going to stay. I think. I mean, I was on a Villa podcast yesterday, and the guy was saying, I just stopped talking about how we're title contenders. So I think you are underestimating. Yeah, how. I guess I underestimate how delusional every single fan base was, but I think that stretch where it was they beat City and beat Ar Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah, that gave them some false confidence, and I honestly don't know how that came about entirely, but... Um, the genius of Emery. The genius of Emery? And, yeah, and, and, and the uh, essentially, but... I think, no, I think, I don't think it's top four at bust at all. I think their top four aspirations are over. I think the top four has, has pretty much cemented themselves, honestly. And I don't think, maybe, and maybe that's 
me pot calling the kettle black saying Tottenham is a is a surefire. But I think those are the I top mean, you're certainly teams. the favorite for the fourth spot. Yeah. No, I think as long I don't even think them not getting the fifth spot would be uh, any champions. I mean, based off football. of the rest of the, the table. Well, here's what I'll say. Like, I mean, what if they don't get Champions League? Does Unai Emery and he gets offered the Barcelona job? Does well, yeah, I think I think job? if they get top four and Barcelona offers him the... Mm, I don't know about that. No? I don't know. With Barca and Villa? Come on. Here's the thing. For Unai Emery at this point, if he goes to Barca and it doesn't work, it's kind of over. Like, he's not... Re- he's never getting another true, big though? job again. He already failed at PSG. Yeah. If he fails a second time Everyone at a big job... Everyone failed at PSG, though, and then got another job. Yes and no. He he now got another job. But I'm saying he takes a second. Yeah. I don't know. Not no, the that's point, fair. Um, I think they, I think I don't. I'm not a Villa fan. So from an outsider's perspective, and this is all happening very quickly. There's still a ton of matches left, so I don't see it as like a bottle, as if this happened with ten matches left. Like they had half the season left, and they regress a little. But I think if they get European football again, if they get the Europa League, and like they stay. As long as they don't crumble. Well, fifth, fifth gets Champions League, right? Yeah. So, no. so I think fifth is an overachievement. Like, if you told Villa fans, and I know things change throughout the season, but if you told Villa fans that you guys were going to finish sixth, they, 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 would get, take they would take it. Now, hindsight's twenty twenty. Now you see the t- where they were. It wouldn't be, but like, I don't think it would be a disappointment. From an outsider's perspective, if they got sixth, I understand if you're a Villa fan, you may feel but that way. But let's just look at the numbers. They're seven points clear of West Ham. Yeah. They're eight points clear of Manchester United. Yeah. They are 11 points clear of Newcastle and Brighton and 12 points clear of Chelsea. Yeah, actually, when you put it like that, that's for fifth. But that's a Champions League right. spot. Then, you, With yeah. 16 matches you're to right. go, you're that's right. a pretty you're healthy right. cushion. I honestly didn't know that the gap was that big. It's, it's, it's okay. astronomical. No, Unless you're right. West Ham catches them, no. and then credit to West Ham... But, but it's not – no, you're right. That If they don't get fifth, that is a huge, huge letdown. Right. You're right. And then if they don't get fifth, Unai Emery probably doesn't get the Barcelona job anyway. So. Right. True. <laughs> um, he probably doesn't get it regardless. I'm just saying. No, I th- and I th- honestly, I think they'll put together enough performances to – I think so too. I mean, I think the beauty of the Emery system is that, like, it is these runs of – massive runs right. of great performances and then massive runs of not good yeah. ones. And I'm not but aware. all they need is like one more good run of performance. Yeah, I'm not aware of their run-in. Um, I don't know the schedule. I, I, I can imagine that. They have to be the favorite for fifth right now. They have to Correct. Be. And they, right. Yeah, and if you're the favorite for fifth at this point of the season, which is now Champions League and it means something a little bit more, yes, that's a huge collapse if they don't get it. Um, all right, Tottenham. Tottenham, Brentford. Um, Tommy Frank. Yeah, how do I want to pose this question? First, I, I want to give a more detailed question, but first, I just want to get your thoughts on that match because it's a very interesting match and in how it played out. Because first half we were awful, go yes. down one nothing. Second half we come we're out lucky to only be down one nothing. Three goals in eight minutes, and then allow them to score, and then essentially get lucky to not. I mean, you weren't lucky. I mean, you you when you game give yourself a two goal lead, right? You, you, you can afford, right. You can afford a lead And one. we win 3-2. So, overall, just thoughts on their performance, and then I have a more specific question for you after. Uh, overall thoughts on the performance, I think this is going to be kind of what the Tottenham performances look like under Ange. Not necessarily the poor first half, but the fact that with this Ange thing where this is our identity, we're playing it no matter what the scoreline or whatever, like, you're up 3-1, you should probably sit back, put on a couple extra defenders, and not play a high line, and not pass the ball back to the goalkeeper because you're playing such a high... The, the, the distance between the left-back and the goalkeeper shouldn't be as far as it was, and that pass doesn't happen. Oh, just 
eight Hold pass. On. He didn't see the play. You, I mean, you could say a no, lot no, of it, but if he just doesn't pass it to Ivan Tony, it's 3-1. But I'm saying I think this kind of game state is what we're going to see with Tottenham, and it's going to win them tons of matches, and it's going to lose them some matches, and which is probably what's going to stop them from be ti- being title challengers. To be a title challenger, you sometimes do have to understand, yeah. okay, we have a two-goal league at home against Brentford. Let's sit back a little. Let's control possession, whatever. Having said that, on the Brentford side of things, that first goal, whatever, they gave it up. The second goal was absolutely unacceptable off the kickoff to be oh so god. bent out of shape. I mean, that was ridiculous. But credit to Timo Werner. He, he was great, great in the second oh half. Oh my god, that was Him great. and Brennan Johnson were great in the second half. Uh, that's kind of the players they are. They're going to be a little inconsistent, so but when they're good, they're good. I wasn't in the locker room, obviously. Really? Um, but Breaking news. I can only imagine because, first off, not that I think bringing Bentinker off is the right decision, but more the decision of putting Kulisevsky through the middle yeah. and bringing Brennan Johnson on essentially won us the game, I think. And I think that I can't imagine what Ange's team talk was, but he seems like the guy that is that I can't imagine that it was a huge tactical piece. I think it was this is the change we're going to make and put him move Kulisevsky inside and Brennan Johnson out wide. But I'd imagine the rest of the talk was like, stop being fucking pussies. And like, it's very simple. Like, go out there and just win the game. Like The aggression wasn't there in the first half. We just, and, and then you were immediately. The second, you were second to every second ball. You were and like, also, speaking of pussies, Mope might be the biggest. Really? James Madison the, is the pansy. Oh, I completely disagree. Mope. First off, he did his celebration. Grow up. It's no, not that big a deal. No, Mope did his celebration. First off. First of all, he's one of the great riler-uppers of all time. But, okay, Mope. Neil Mope is the reason that we won that game. Yeah, it's like what Jaka did at the Anfield last year. He headbutted Trent Alexander-Arnold. There, there was no fire 100%. from the Tottenham team we on saw a it midweek. We saw Colin Sexton and Jalen Brunson There's, There was no fire on a, in a Tottenham team after a long break in a midweek match that would have allowed us to come out in the second half with that amount of fire. So thank you to Neil Mope, who Bless. he won us that game. So thank you so much. But he was also doing it the entire first half, like, pushing people, and then flopping. He was acting like a huge bitch the entire time. And then the last thing I want to touch on, because I think the troll from the Tottenham players was amazing. First, you have Brennan Johnson with his tongue out. Then Richarlison did it. And then Madison did it. And I fucking loved it, personally, as a Tottenham fan. Mope can go fuck himself. But did you see after what Mope said about Madison? Yeah, he has more goals. Yeah. He was talking about stats from his relegate his. All right, but let's just let's not pretend like James Madison didn't get relegated four months ago. Okay, I also <laughs> think Mope's talking about stats from when he was in the championship. Yeah, he was one of the great championships. Exactly, ever. like you're flexing. He's your, also Brighton's all-time. You're flexing like your stats. Scorer. You're flexing your stats in the championship. Like first off, relax, and second off, Madison. Madison talks a big game for a guy who was relegated. Okay, it's a team. It's a team. Yeah, but thing. he had zero goals in the last twelve matches of Leicester City. I'm just I, saying. I understand. James he was Madison not talks great, a big like, game for a guy who's never fucking accomplished anything. He's fucking amazing. He is fantastic footballer, but he has never accomplished anything. He they didn't both, talk a big game. They're both talking a big he, game. He, no, but he got super lost. pissed about a fucking celebration. He didn't, he didn't get pissed. This he is like when everyone was doing this because fucking trolling Rashford. Like, grow tro- up. It's a fucking celebration. We won the game, so he trolled him. What do you mean? He put him. Neil Mope in a fucking headlock. He got pissed. No, first off, Mope grabbed the shit out of Madison when they were returning back to the, 
to the half line. It was a little bit of both. It was He definitely was the aggressor in that situation. Well, I credit James Madison because I agree. He took that situation and got his team fired up around it, which is what a good player does in any side. Good leadership. And when you have, but he also is a bitch. When you have fucking He's sickos like Richarlison play, uh, on the other side of the pitch, why would you ever give fuel to a fire for a player who That's runs? how Mope is. That's always how he's been. He's I, a fucking I want to. I want to give a sincere thank you to Neil Mopay because you are the sole reason that we won that game and your goal, it, he, it like banged off, off his of shin, off his He knee. didn't even fucking score. Like that was, it's hilarious. That's how Neil Mopay scores. It's hilarious how are... he was flexing that goal, which is one of the luckiest goals I've ever seen. Plus his championship stats, like, like take it. Take that a, is, you're just describing Neil Mopay. Like this is right, the but person. it's almost embarrassing. He, he will just rile you up. And I, and I want to thank him. All right. Um, and even Tottenham's verified account, like the account themselves, is posting like trolling towards him, and like, but you're commenting on someone's Instagram after you lost the match, like, I don't know, like Neil Mope, maybe get a life. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a, it's the same thing as Madison posting Neil Mope, like, right. but we won the match, so you can do that. Like, you lost, scored an accidental goal. And reflecting championship stats, like if Madison stayed in the championship with that relegation side that you were talking about, he would score a hundred goals and have a hundred assists in that league. All right, relax. So, those are my thoughts. I just, as much as I hate you, I want to thank you because that's a three <laughs> points that we maybe wouldn't have had if it wasn't for you. Okay, we move. We, we move, move forward. We've got Arsenal Liverpool this weekend at the Emirates. Massive match for the title race. Huge Arsenal, match. Arsenal need three points or they're definitely out of the title race. Liverpool need three points or City is going to be the favorite. So there's a lot on the line here for absolutely everybody. Let's do a combined 11. You start. Huge match. I'm so excited for this match because it gives so many answers. Yes. Um, and yes. the only thing I'll say before we start is I think this is a non-debatable i want to preface that i think oh this is a non-debatable combined 11 so i'm excited to see do you think this is a non-debatable i'm excited to 11. see where will's bias comes into play do you want me to do the full 11 Wait, or? i'm only including players who are fit do you want me to do the full i'm only including I players who are heard fit. you do you want to do you're gonna fucking put Salah, and you cannot put Salah. do in. you want to do the full 11 or one for one go 11 11 go Goalkeeper Allison, not Lock. close. Right back Trent, your Lock. favorite player, not close. Two center backs, Saliba VVD, not close. Lock. Robertson left back, Lock. not close. Rice CDM, Lock. not close. I decided to play Odegaard and Zobislai as okay. the two center midfielders because I think they're actually both capable of playing a little deeper in that eight sure. in that eight position. And in the Arsenal side, Zobislai, if you put Zobislai where Havertz has been playing, that's brother Emil Smith Rowe is back. The Kai Havertz prop is over. Emile Smith-Rowe is back. Would you rather Emile Smith-Rowe or Zobosly? All right, we'll get I there. I didn't put either in my 11. Interesting. Well, I guess that's not interesting because you played a more true eight. Uh, right wing, Salah if healthy, but... Not healthy, irrelevant. Scrap it. Then in turn goes to Pukaya Saka. I'm, you try and turn me into a Saka hater. I'm you not are a, a Saka you're hater. You're not a Saka hater. You're a Saka denier. No, I am a Saka fan. I am a Gabriel Jesus Realist and a Gabrielle Martinelli hater. If you want to do my, <laughs> my Arsenal front three, that's, that's how I would uh, qualify. Okay. I'm striker, Darwin Nunez, left wing, Diaz. Okay. Ours are pretty similar. I, that, that's why I said it's non-debatable. It's so not, I expected it's not, that. There are some debates. I got 
Allison at goalkeeper, yep. obviously. Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back. Saliba Van Dyke, best possible center back pairing you could have in the world right now. Andy Robertson at left back, hopefully finally back and healthy. I do like to watch him play, although it would be nice to not have to go against him. Uh, Rice at the six. Odegaard at your right center mid. I went Curtis Jones at left center mid. I'm a huge Curtis Jones fan. Anyone it's who- just they're playing in the same team right now, and Curtis Jones isn't even playing better than Zobosly. Uh Actually, season-wise, I'd take Zobosly. Over the last five matches, I'd take Curtis Jones, except for the match against Chelsea. Zobosai looked really good. I think so. in this specific match, Curtis Jones would be an absolute asset due to his specific skills versus Zobosai's. But we agree. We're both huge fans of Curtis Jones. Yes. Uh, Saka at right wing. We've got Arsenal killer Diego Jota through the middle. His stats against Arsenal are ridiculous. Right. He will score against us. That is a guarantee. I promise you, Diego Jota scores this weekend. And then Darwin Nunez at left wing. I think he's better at cutting oh. in from that left side. He's been playing there quite a bit actually recently as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can, you can do it however you want to flip it. I don't think Luis Diaz is all that good. Oh, I, that's where I was about to go. I, I'm so glad. That was super non-biased. My Luis you. Diaz is your Gabriel Martinelli. Except Martinelli actually has the track record. We move. You don't want to know I'm what so, I thought was most can interesting. I finish? Yes. I'm so... Proud of you. What did you think I was going to do? Put Jesus in the fucking I don't side? know what you were going to try and do. I thought you were going to squeak, try and squeak one more Arsenal player in there. Well, here's... But you didn't. And last thing, I think Luis Diaz I almost is put Gabriel, my God, fucking amazing. He is a killer. I like him a lot. He is a killer. Great super sub. The, his... Stop. His goal is, like, I need to score to, like, fuel my body more than I need, like, food and drink. <laughs> the way he scored that final cross... Great ball in from Darwin. I think this was their fourth goal against Chelsea. The way he attacks that and beats him to the far post, like that's exactly what you want to need. That's exactly what you need. And his fire when he scores, he just acts like he might have saved his country like from a devastating war. And like his fire, and I also think like his fire and passion, I think paired with how skillful and creative and deadly of a finisher he is, I think he's an extremely underrated player um and i take him obviously a hundred times over gabriel martinelli okay anyways what i think is interesting is wait sorry would you rather diaz or martinelli i just want to get that on record martinelli's much younger and stare at the camera and say you would rather i would rather have gabriel martinelli than luis diaz 100 times out of 100 there's not a single reason why i would choose luis diaz over gabriel okay thank you now you can continue what I think is really interesting is, well, Liverpool and Arsenal are the two best defenses in the league in most categories. Liverpool have conceded fewer goals. Arsenal have conceded by far the fewest expected goals. We've mostly killed ourselves in goals, uh, errors leading to goal. Yet we only find a way, both of us, to get one Arsenal player in the back four plus goalie. I think that's interesting. Here's that is interesting. The issue is... I think it says a lot if about... If you took the name off of Van Dijk... And I think Van Dyke's having a great season. Hold on. Just hold on. I think if you take the name off of Van Dyke, and I think Van Dyke's having a fantastic season, and I think if you take the name off Saliba, and I think Saliba's having a fantastic season, I think Gabriel may be having the best season of any no, center back in the league I agree. Right Gabriel's been great, but I think we've, we've discussed and we've both agreed that we were ready to turn the page on VVD after the injury, and he's come back and been no, amazing. 100%. So. Well, like, you're, you're dreaming, you're building your... Dream combined 11 if everyone's playing at their best, and that's why this is yeah. what we've selected. The other thing that's the reason is is because 
we both use an inverted fullback, but we use opposite inverted fullbacks. You can only choose one. You're going to choose Trent, yeah. and then that doesn't leave you an Arsenal option at left back. Whereas if Trent was a left back, right, you would choose Ben White as your right back. You well, no shit, because then there's no fucking right back left to put, choose from. Right. Well, I'm just other than Connor. If Bradley. Zinchenko was, I'm just saying, like the issue is you have to choose one inverted fullback, and then that's no. Why there's no issue. Both fucking Liverpool wingbacks are better than the Arsenal wingbacks. There's no issue. Yes, I understand. Right. Okay. That was a good effort of trying to get it. But no, I just think it's interesting. Like, Arsenal right. are the best defensive Quick, shape in the league. Before we get to Americans Abroad update, uh, score prediction. 2-1 Arsenal. This is at the Emirates, correct? Correct. All right, I'm going to go. I still think the Klopp retirement juice is is at its finest. I'm going to go 3-1 Liverpool is my, is my prediction. Okay. All right. And to finish it out, we have an Americans Abroad update. Um, all right. Starting in Italy with AC Milan, where Pulisic started and had a hockey assist. Do you think our viewers across the pond I know I talk what hockey that is? assists on my other podcast all the time. Okay. I think it's a great If stat. you don't know what a hockey assist is, it's the pass to the assister. But it's not simple as he played like a square ball. It was a really nice pass for then across that they scored on um, to score their first goal of the game. And Yunus Musa came on as a sub in the 60th minute. Uh, elsewhere in Italy... McKenney played a full 90 in their 1-1 draw to Empoli, and Wea came on as a 60th-minute sub. It was actually, weirdly enough, I think Yunus Musa and uh, Wea came, both came on as 59th-minute substitutes. Just found that interesting. McKenney was has been playing awesome. Insanely good. In the, in the match against uh, Lecce, he had a ridiculous assist. He should have scored a scored goal. Scored a goal on Vlaho. Yeah. Uh, stole it he, he's yeah. been incredible. He's, his late runs into the box, he's added another level to his game that isn't just like being a ball carrier yeah. and being a dual winner. He's really added a different type of goal threat than he used to have, which is going to be crucial oh if God, Americans, huge. if the U.S. men's national team is going to dominate games yeah. in any way, if they ever have a chance to, he's going to add a threat in yeah. and around the box that we have not well, had. Yeah, he's I a think, late runner. Because Balogun is a physically dominant a little bit yes. player and then if we can loft balls in and have that secondary second ball run yeah. from yeah Genius. um and then lastly in italy 21 year old gianluca buzio, yeah, buzio has scored in three straight matches in serie b he's with a good Venezia. player yeah so he's got an engine yeah so just another good option a young option to have in the midfield moving to germany uh, Gio Reyna finally got his move out of Dortmund and secured a loan move to Nottingham Forest. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in with Nottingham Forest. I, problems I don't think are really up top when you talk Elanga, Hudson. The problems are they Gibbs, signed 41 players in two years. Gibbs White. <laughs> and like their, their front players are not bad. Where do you see Gio Reyna fitting into this team? Uh, I think he's likely to play. They kind of like to play like a secondary striker off of either Iwanoe or Chris, Chris Wood. Wood. Uh, like kind of the Alango role that he's played a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Morgan Gibbs-White has played that role yeah. a little bit. I, I, that's why I think I will see Reyna a lot. But he's a versatile player. You might see him play off the wing. That's what I was thinking. You might I, see yeah. Gibbs-White play off he, the wing. He's going to have to be versatile because I think Gibbs-White is probably the first name The issue is how sheet. hard is he going to work off the ball because this is going to be different for him. Nottingham are not going to possess the exactly. ball a whole lot. He's going to have to work hard off the ball <laughs> unless he's going to be a super sub, in which case like that's not really that's great That's not experience. doing enough, yeah. But what I thought was interesting was he also signed a new long-term deal at Dortmund before Did leaving. He? Yeah, okay, so clearly he's in the plans for Dortmund long-term. This is to get him some game time before Copa America, and hopefully yeah. he's going to earn Beralter's trust at least to get in – I think it's, like yeah, time. I think it's a perfect move to your point is it's a great place to learn that 
defensive work rate right. working off. If the he ball. doesn't work hard though, like I'm not gonna even lie. Like there's a chance Bear also leaves him at home. The way he has treated him, there's a yes. chance well, he leaves. There's him history at- there. Yes. yes, of course. Um elsewhere in Germany, Mucin Gladbach got a huge 0-0 draw against Bundesliga leaders Leverkusen, sure. with Joe Scally playing all 90 at right center back, and P Falk started up top for that game as well, but failed to register a shot. Um, Scally is being linked with a big move this summer Has out of Germany. He's being linked to AC Milan and Newcastle, which is really exciting for him. Have you heard of any other? No, Newcastle is the one I saw. I didn't actually see the AC Milan yeah, one, but so, Newcastle makes sense to me. Yeah. So it's an interesting situation because now if Scally gets a big move and continues to grow, you have a situation where we have three really, really good wingbacks with Scally, and Dest, and Anthony. And so can Dest. Anthony obviously can't. What do you think? Scally is, I would, I think long-term I trust Scally more than Dest. What I think is great with Scally is you have Scally, Scally and Jedi at wingbacks, and if Tyler Adams isn't back in time, you can play Dest in the midfield. Yeah, you could. Which I, think I like Dest as a, as a substitute opportunity in a game you're chasing the scoreline. Oh, I think he's playing too well right now to not be in the starting uh, 11. I think this summer you're going to see Dest in the lineup. I think but for World Cup in 26, Joe Scally has better defensive acumen yeah. and also is a good threat going forward. I mean, he's yeah. not quite as creative as Dest, but also, like, let's see where Dest is, like, mentally in two years. He's yeah, not true. stable, necessarily. Sure. Lastly, in Germany, Brendan Aronson was used as a late sub in Union Berlin's one nothing win. It's good for them, finally, finally to, fucking won again. to get a win. Uh, moving over to England. Things are going from bad to worse, as we've touched on for Matt Turner, as he was megged from an extremely tight angle by Jesus and their 2-1 loss to Arsenal. Um, we said we were going to touch on it later. What do we do at goalkeeper? <sighs> Ethan Horvath, maybe? Yeah. Is he still a Bruges? I think he's like back at Nottingham, maybe. Oh, yes, I think he is. Um, there's also Slonina, who I don't know what the long term plan is, but like Chelsea bought him last oh, year. Oh, it looks like this just happened. Cardiff City is going to add Horvath on loan. Okay. I like Horvath. He's a good shot stopper. He offers very little otherwise, uh, yeah. which is maybe why he doesn't get into the side. I think the long-term plan has clearly been Gabriel Slonina. That yeah. is the long-term plan, but I don't know if that's this summer. Well, you, you'd like to have, like, a guy for the 2026 yeah. World Cup minimum. Right. I think that's the idea. If we want to test something for Copa, I mean, sure. right now, Matt Turner is probably still the number one. I don't which trust is, him. Yeah, yeah, which is... I mean, you've seen it with Pickford. You've seen it with other people. People can turn on a switch for their country. And I mean, he's been Tim, great Howard, for us. Tim Howard did it. Yeah, so I'm Americans give, don't realize Tim Howard yeah. was not very good for Everton. Correct. Yeah. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for now. If, yeah. is he, if he performs for U.S., I don't give a fuck how he performs 100%. for. Um, elsewhere in England, Chris Richards got the start for Palace at right back midweek, as did Austin Trusty on the other side at left back for Sheffield United. Both played the full 90 in Palace's 3-2 win against Sheffield United. Trusty's playing every week in the Premier League, 90 minutes. Well, I mean, we'll take it. He's going to be a squad player. He maybe gets into the lineup. Yeah. He's someone, for lack of a better term, you can trust. Uh, and so. having a backup left-back option for Jedi is huge. Yeah, he's, more, he's way more defensive. I'd rather have Chris Richards either playing the six, which I know he's done a couple times for Palace, or center back. He's a better center back. He's not a right back. He's not a right back, yeah. and I'd rather him get those minutes at center back because, as we described, Destin Scally are more than... No, and and Trusty is he's actually... He's not great on the ball in terms of his dribbling ability, but he actually has a pretty wide range of passing. He's really good at starting counterattacks uh, with his outlets, so he's a really interesting option, especially Tim Ream's aging. He can play in that left center back position and kind of control tempo. Yeah. I, I think I think he's a really good option to have this summer. I'm excited about it. I agree. 
Uh, lastly, in England, Anthony Robinson played a full 90 at left back, and Tim Raim came on in the 75th minute as they put together a collective clean sheet for Fulham in a 0-0 draw against Everton. Um, finally, in Netherlands, the PSV boys continue firing as Dest picked up another assist, and Pepe came on for De Jong as a late sub after he had scored both PSV goals in their 2-0 win. Tillman was not on the pitch as he was injured. Nothing serious. Balogun also with a non-serious injury, yes. we think, as that is why there was no France update with Balogun. And finally, Dest had previously said he never wants to play for Xavi again, but with him on his way out and his current form, could you see a move back to Barca on the table? And with his current form, I think it's it's in the realm of possibility or at least a move to maybe a top five league versus playing at PSV. I mean, I think... This PSV setup has really suited him well. He's been able to invert. He's been able to overlap. I think him and Tillman have really combined quite well, actually, um, in, in the little bit I have seen of the two of them together. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in the right setup, Sergio Dest is a really excellent player. Yeah. I think he can really succeed. If you ask him to do too much defending, he's going to struggle. Yeah. Uh, but or that is the modern fullback. Yeah. So, yeah, in the right setup, yes. I think he could work at Barcelona. I think he could work at Bayern Munich. I think he could... Or could AC Milan? I mean, uh, he's been a whole bunch of different places. I think there is a potential for him in those in those sides. But with someone that has that much technical ability, there's a spot for you. Somewhere. Yes, and in a, in a team that's going to dictate possession, there is a spot for Sergio. You have anything else? I just want to quickly mention, like, I am a little worried about Balogun. Uh, yeah. In what we're seeing this year, one goal in eleven matches in his and, last. And 11. the underlying stats are worrying. Yeah. He's not creating a whole lot. Like the big thing last year was he didn't just score twenty one goals. Like, if anything, he was. Not great in front of goal, and he still scored 21 goals. He underperformed his XG. Yeah. He was one of the leaders in XG in League One that year. He was one of the leaders in big chances missed. Like he was getting himself in positions to score goals. Yeah. He's not doing that right now. Maybe it's a tactical thing. I don't watch a whole yeah. lot of Monaco, but I, I went back through the tape this week. I was looking at some stats. I'm a little worried. I mean, he's gonna be the starting number nine, but it is not the confidence boost that I wanted to have going into yeah. this year I of Copa America. I, I completely agree. As we touched on in last Americans Abroad, it's so good to see everyone other than him doing so well with their moves. I think something that we touched on in one of our first episodes is uh, hopefully he can be the type of international striker where it doesn't come off for him all the time in club, but knowing that it's his spot, it's his team, some, some strikers just historically for international teams just turn it on and they just for whatever reason, change of pace, change of style, confidence, whatever it may be, perform. So we kind of just got to hope that that's And I do think Berhalter's style actually really does play well into Balogun's hands. Yeah. Uh, well enough. Better. I mean, I have, again, I haven't Fucking watched a ton of Monaco, Berhalter, but so like just, so Ben Yedder is firing for Monaco and they're a very yeah. different type of player. Yeah, so true. to me, that speaks that maybe he wasn't a great fit there. And Monaco are having a good season. So it, again, it could just be a tactical mismatch and we'll see. I mean, the fact that he could score so many goals in a Ream side who never controlled possession, who were very much playing long balls, he was being used as an outlet, speaks a lot more to the type of play that Balogun's going to be best in. Potentially in Copa America against better sides like a Brazil or an Argentina, when you're not going to control the game, right. that, that, that could be yeah. a good useful yeah, yeah. player to have. Yeah. All right, well, that's all we got for this episode of Yanks Abroad. Hit the like button if you've enjoyed. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time. Make sure to subscribe. Peace. See ya.